There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Montana Casting Company is a performance fly rod and reel company based right here in our capital, Helena, Montana. Each model of fly rod is a tribute to Montana's rugged beauty and adventurous spirit. Their rods capture the look, feel, and craftsmanship of a custom-built fly rod. Scott personally calls every customer who buys one of his rods. Head to montanacastingco.com and use code MEATEATER20 at checkout for a one-time 20% off discount. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Presented by OnX Hunt, creators of the most comprehensive digital mapping system for hunters. Download the Hunt app from the iTunes or Google Play Store. Know where you stand with OnX. Yanni, tell everybody uh, like about how cool it was when I got that big yellow tail and like how jealous you were and and everything like that. I was just stoked because you seemed like you were really struggling with all that salt water that's getting into your snorkel, and I was just calm and chill. Never got salt water in my snorkel. I don't know what you were doing wrong, but you'll probably learn. You'll probably get get that level of experience where you won't get salt water in your snorkel anymore. Well, if what you watch I found, me enough, when you dive as deep as I dive, mm-hmm. for as long as I dive, mm-hmm. the depths have a pull on you, and you uh, come back up, and the depths pull on you, and that makes your snorkel go under the salt water, and then you drink a lot of the salt water. Um, Probably read about that in some scientific But if you can't magazine. really hold your breath at all, and you can't really go down, and you have to just be at the surface, you probably get pretty good at keeping your snorkel above water. Mm-hmm. But I don't mm-hmm. have any practice come always down super deep. Got it. Where the big fish long. lurk. Uh, Greg, you, I feel like you don't even need introduction because we gave you a shout-out one time. You did. At the live that? Sacramento show. You did. Did you get any you business did. from that? I have no clue. No one came in and said, hey, I heard hey, your name Steve mentioned. Steve sent me in. No. <laughs> no. Okay, do it then. Talk. Introduce yourself. Uh, Greg Fonts, owner of the Free Dive Shop, distributor for Rob Allen, Ocean Hunter, and Meister Carbon Fins, as well as lightly, uh, lightly accomplished competitive spear fisherman. And I'll point out a full-time fireman. Yeah. Dude, firemen... I need to talk to like whoever negotiates with the fireman union because I feel like you guys 
<laughs> you're talking to really. Him. You're actually talking. You you negotiate on behalf of the firemen. Yeah. Oh, you're doing a great yeah. job because <laughs> I've met a lot of firemen. That's a schedule. <laughs> if I could go back in time, I would be a fireman. What do you guys work? You guys work like two on thirty off or something I like that. I can't talk about it. It's too good. <laughs> It's too, you don't want a competition. You don't want people no, moving no, in on your business. Want, no. Yeah, it's like 12, 12 hours on, 30 days off. Just think if everyone at the mediator office went to that schedule. Oh, my God. It's nice being a fireman. Um, Sacramento's where your dive shop is. Yeah, West Sacramento in particular, yep. So people that, want, uh, people that listen to this and get all inspired to get into to spearfishing can go down and talk to your wife, I, if I understand correct. Yep, me, my wife, uh, Jason... Uh, those those are the primary people you'll probably talk to on the phone. You sent me a video once explaining how something worked. I've been meaning uh-huh. to ask you about this. <laughs> and you had on an apron. Were you pantsless? <laughs> I was. I, I was you had on an apron and no pants and no pants and no pants. And I was. What wondering, was going on there? I was just wondering <laughs> if you're going to pick up on it. I did. Did you? Yeah, I even showed my wife. There you go. I'm like, I feel like this Were you gentleman, cooking? I feel like I said, I feel like oh. this. I, I believe this gentleman has no pants on. <laughs> no pants. <laughs> And I was wondering if you're gonna say anything. Why? Did and then you spend a lot of time anything. like? Did you spend a lot of time like that no, with just, an apron it was and no pants? Just to see if you would say anything, and you didn't. So I didn't say anything. And oh no, then, I said something to my wife. Yeah, yeah. And then it just never happened. And the problem was the <laughs> shot. The shot was a little out of focus, so I didn't know. Uh, like you know, I know you have a lot going on, so you were. Oh no, I took no. I took no. All right. But I, it never occurred to me either that you were just messing with me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I was having a hard time. Um, I'll just come out and say, I'm like an inspired, I feel like I wasted my life. Instead of doing all the things I did, I should have spent all that time spearfishing. And now I'm like an aspiring spearfisherman. There you go. Who I've misspent my entire life <laughs> and I'm only now getting it back on track to what I should have been doing the whole time. Um, you wear pants too much. And I was, and I had a gun and I couldn't figure it out. And I sent Greg a question and he's sitting there in the apron and, and he turned around. And I'm like, what? I thought it was like a spearfishing thing that I didn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> no pants. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Um good. And then George, the ship's captain. Yeah. Captain of the not yours. Correct. Which is not a yacht. It's a large fishing boat. Correct. Thirty <laughs> year old fishing boat. A thirty year old fishing boat. And you're just a hobbyist. Pretty much. Yeah. I just show up and play. But so. you know ne- you never been in the you've never been like in the business of spear fishing, or are you? I competed in one nationals. Oh, you did? Which was uh, quite a comedy of errors. Where was it? It was at Leo Carrillo State Park here in California with um, my good buddy Alex Renault and another buddy of ours, Mike Walker. And we had been probably spearfishing about a year and a half or so. And we finagled some some dive club to sponsor us because we had to be sponsored to get in this thing. So we found a, a dive company or dive group in Florida Gave us a rubber stamp. We entered the contest, and needless to say, and you guys just kicked everybody's ass. No, but we did not come in last. So, <laughs> oh really? It was great. Yeah, it was. It was. It was interesting. So, how many? No. A, a, how many participants will be in a national? That's like the that? Latvian Spiro speaking up mm-hmm. there, uh, Giannis Pitellis. <laughs> well, that, that's probably where we introduce Alex. He'd probably be able to speak on that. Hmm. It's a pleasure to be here. Go. <laughs> Introduce yourself. You're you're a competitive spear fisherman. I'm truly officially retired from competitive spear fishing. Oh, you don't go anymore? Nope. I've run my gamut 
and now I'm too old. Oh. How old is so too you're old? like in the autumn of your career as a spear fisherman? Yeah. It, it's come and gone. Like what happens? How old are you? 43. Dude. Well, so I'm just coming in, man. I'm like the, and I'm already older than you. You need to be a millennial at this point in order to, to take it down at the comps. Unless you're in Florida, then you need to be a millionaire because only the, the boys with the big money get to play in those comps. Because those are big boat comps. So I'm already like too old to ever be really good. To be really good? No. To be recognized as one of the elite amongst the elite in the competition circles? Yeah. Okay, because what happens? Your body just isn't what it was? You just don't care anymore. I'm not understanding. You got to be more clear. In the beginning, like right now, yeah. you're at the beginning and you're amped. Oh, I'm I'm with you. And you're at the point where you're ready to go. I want to sh- I I, I want to see what I'm made of. Yeah. In comparison to everybody else. See, George and I, we did that. We 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 said we want to see what we're made of. And so we got rubber stamped from this club in Florida, and we went out and we showed them what we were made of. And what was it that you were made of? We 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 <laughs> finished second to last. <laughs> we didn't finish last. Out of fourteen teams. Three-man okay. teams. And... No, but we just went in the surf. Surf just piled us up. Yard sale. Kayak, weight belt lost. I'm fins. paddling out there. I don't have a weight belt. I've got to do the whole competition. with. I, I got my anchor from my kayak, and I've stuffed it in here. <laughs> Borrowed a couple of weights from him. <laughs> stuffed them in my pants. I drove the whole competition with a big rip in my wetsuit. It was freezing with an anchor stuffed in my wetsuit as my weight belt. And that's how... That's how the competition started for us. And it was just all downhill from yeah, there. pretty much. Okay, what year was that? Was that 2007? I don't even... I, I couldn't tell you. It might have been seven or it might have been nine. That was our first U.S. Nationals. My, I, my one and only. I really got the bug. And I went, okay, this is cool. And I took the time to go and meet some of the, the bigger tournament players here in Northern California. Yeah. And I had a couple guys took me under their, their wing and really started to teach me how to prepare, how to learn, how to learn how to set yourself up to perform at a high level in spearfishing tournaments. Everything from learning the ocean, learning the fish, um, creating a strategy, understanding time. Time is really important. And I went through, a, for, through that for a long, long period of time. Dove in multiple nationals, qualified for the U.S. national team in 2014, went and represented the U.S. in Peru. And after Peru, went, okay, this has been an awesome run, and I'm going to transition out of the, I'm doing this for sport, and more into the sole spearfishing side. Yeah. And it's been a great transition. And I haven't been happier about it. I mean, couldn't be happier about it. Yeah, to be honest with you, I'm not dr- I wouldn't be drawn to um any kind of competition like that. Yeah, it in every sport there's the good and the bad. And fortunately I was surrounded by a lot of the good. Yeah. And that that's what for me made it so fantastic. I think the thing that uh one of the things I wanted to ask you guys all about, because this is on people's mind, it used to be on my mind. What's your what's the psychology you have for uh sharks? 
Because, like, when we're messing with that, I mean, we're, we're, we're a little south of Great White. We're in California right now. But we're a little bit of south of the, the Great White area, right? The Great White Shark area. No. We're not. No. Because it wasn't lost on me yesterday. Sure. That we're sitting there in the water, gutting, bleeding fish that are flopping around. You got them tied to your waist. Uh, when I asked George early on, I was like, what about the sharks? And he said, there's nothing you can do because you won't even know it until it happens. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, there's no point in thinking about it. It's kind of like worrying about a mountain lion, right? Yeah, which I don't even think about. Right, right. It's but when same. he gets you, it's going to be over like that. Yeah. It's the same for us. Right now, before we started this trip, one of the largest great whites that has been sighted was on the backside of Anacapa where we were warming up. Oh, it was. Yeah, where we started, yeah. you guys. How are you going to tell me about that? Yeah, it's not important. <laughs> yeah. So what's your what's your viewpoint on it? Start, like, we'll go the same way we did introductions. What's your view? Like, how, how do you cope with the idea of sharks? Because you had a great white take a swipe at you. I did, I did. <clears throat> I was about two miles north of Albion uh, scouting for a tournament. Tell people where that is and who uh, aren't totally familiar. So if you go into Mendocino County, if you know where Fort Bragg is, it's maybe 20 minutes south of there. In the great state of California. Great state of California, up uh, up in Northern California. And uh, I was scouting for a tournament. My dad was on the boat. And this is one thing that uh, I don't do is my dad was bringing up sharks the whole way up. And I'm just like, that's just something you don't do. Like he's like, talking about it. Yeah, he's like, yeah, because oh, you guys like, don't talk about no, it. No, we don't talk. You just don't talk about it. It's just one of those things you don't talk about. It. And the whole way up, he's, he was bringing it up a little bit. And I was, you know, it's my dad. And I was just trying to shrug it off and, uh, so we get in the water and they always say, truck it, trust your instincts. Right. And like that day I was like, ah, I feel a little off, but went scouted anyway. Uh, 65 feet of water coming up from a dive where I found, uh, it was actually Alex, you'd appreciate this. It was Alex's Lincoln hole. He wasn't in the tournament. You were verifying his Lincoln <laughs> hole. Verifying. It is, it is one of the best Lincoln holes in Northern California. Explain, it, the, describe to people Lincoln hole real quick. It's uh, a truly, it is perfect. Yeah, it's a perfect scenario. So this is in about 65 feet of water, um, not too much around it. So it's actually kind of hard to find. So mm -hmm. you can't just like happen upon this thing. Just you, It's an area you wouldn't really dive all that much. And uh, jumped in and really the link hot hole itself, it's perfect. You kind of go down and it's like these two rocks lean on each other. And there's, there's an entrance and an exit, but to your left, there's a, a tight hole. And... A lot of times what people think Linkai, you know, want these big, huge caves. What they want is a, a, maybe a cave that goes into a very tight entrance. You know, some, some good Linkai holes are only, you know, the entrance is only maybe 8 or 10 inches high, if that. They, like, squeeze in there and really like to be secure. Yeah, I always think to myself, if a seal can't get its head in there, then it's a perfect yeah. spot for a Linkai. Yeah. Huh. Right? Yeah. A predator can't get in, but they can finagle their way in there. Then yeah. you know that... Okay, this is this, is good. To be this checked. is good. Yeah. Let me interrupt your story. Yeah. Uh, as a lifelong rod and reel fisherman, uh -huh. we don't. Uh, you guys deal in such a different level of detail about what's going on below the water surface. Yeah, where we might say that's a great spire to catch a lingcod, yeah. or that's a nice rock pile to catch a lingcod. A spear fisherman knows. The hole that that son of a bitch lives in in the rock oh, pile. We we know 
the detail of the reef, especially the people, as you get into it more, you start carrying marker buoys and GPSs and you'll not only mark mark it on GPS, you'll probably go into your little notebook later and say, this is a, a westerly or northeast facing hole. Enter from this direction, look left. You know it in that much of a detail. Yeah. So, yeah, you might say a rock pile, but we know which hole in that rock pile that ling is in. And so, we know the prevailing swell. Yeah. Ling cod won't typically face the prevailing swell. So we don't waste time in the prevailing swell. Really? We work on the lee side down and around a corner, where it's always down and around a corner or tight. If it isn't a prevailing... They don't want to get blasted in the face. Yeah, if it isn't a prevailing swell, it's going to be a, a very specific sheltered rock pile or, or set of rocks, yeah. Huh. Yeah. All right, so you go down there. So you go and down I gather there. that a lingcod hole is a lingcod hole, and other lingcod, like it's like a bear den. A good bear den, bears yeah. will re- the bears will all die, and then new bears will come, yep. and those bears will find that den and use yeah, it. Yeah, you can shoot a ling and have a ling in it uh, you know, a couple of days later. Uh, usually the big, you know, like this, this particular hole... Um, is perfect and usually has big females in it. And that's usually typically what you find in there. You won't find like a small male or anything like that. This is a typically a big female lingcod hole. Um, so basically swimming down, going to check this thing at about 65 feet. You go in, it's an entrance, and it has a left hole and a right hole. So I look in left, and I didn't see anything. And you look in and at the very, With very... With a flashlight? Yeah, fla- you have to have a flashlight hunting these things. Because um, we're talking, I'm probably in the main hole, four feet, five feet, and this hole that the hold your damn are, breath, sixty-five yeah, feet under the surface. Yeah, We've got the you point. Get, we're working on you. Yeah. The bottom <laughs> is sixty-five feet, or the holes all the whole entrance is at about sixty-five feet. Yeah. Whoa. So then you go, and so you're in this hole, and then it has a hole to the left, which didn't see it initially. Then I looked way up, and this hole's probably I don't know eight feet, nine feet back, and this thing is tucked all the way back in, just looking. Then I push out of that hole a little bit. And then to the, there's actually a Still bonus. Still holding your breath. Yeah, there's a bonus, <laughs> kind of a bonus nook in this same hole, and there's uh, vermilion a lot of times tucked in there. Every, and actually, when I found this, it's every funny. Every time. Because I actually followed a vermilion to this hole when on this particular Well, that's how you found out about it? No, I knew where it was, oh. but as I was heading down, I was like, oh, nice vermilion. Oh, oh, it's heading right into the, where I need to go. Perfect. Um, so, yeah, I found the ling there, then uh, uh, vermilion to my right, pop out the, there's actually an exit, you can pop out the backside of it. So you went through the hole? Yeah, it's kind of like a, a really tight arch that has kind of caves that go, not caves, but like yeah. small, small holes that go left and right. And uh, What's interesting about this is if you look at this hole from the top, let's say you just dive down 30 feet, because the bottom and the rocks are virtually the same color, Yeah, it looks dead flat. It's and a that's, very hole. That's yeah. what makes it so special a is a lot hole. of people could swim over this and they'd never know. You have to get on the bottom in order to see it. Yep. If I start like a spearfishing company, I'm calling it Hole Hunter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go on. So uh, there you are. So there I this, per- the this, this particular day, there was really good viz, um, which is not typical of the North Coast. It was probably 30 feet of viz or so. Uh, so go exit the that's, hole. That's way ass visibility for NorCal. It's it's great. Um, and kind of on the way up, I was just just shaking my head like, yes, that's I mean that is like a to have. I mean the ling at the time I think was around a twenty something pounder. It was a, it was a stud ling. Uh, is this in competition or is this, this scouting? pre pre competition? What's your old man doing? He's on the boat. He's hanging out. He's on the is boat. He hanging in real? Is he riding and reeling? So bless his heart. 
he gets violently seasick. So that's why he, the scopalamine patches that uh, we had Yanni test out, that's, that's kind of what he uses. Um, yeah, and, Yanni, people got this impression, Yanni, like he's all tough and stoic <laughs> and everything. Dude, you get him around salt water, man. Like, dude falls apart. Go on, there you are. Your dad's sick. You're so underwater. My, no, so he's, uh, he's fine. He's, he's just sitting on the boat waiting. And uh, for some reason, which you're not supposed to do, but for some reason, I looked up, saw the boat, and I said, well, I might as well just swim Okay, up. now, why can't you look up? We're not, hitting a, I, I'm doing great hosting right yeah. now because we're hitting a lot of little diving tips along yeah. the way. Uh, why can't you look up? In general, you shouldn't look up because sight one, it messes with your, your throat and your airway, right? You're hyperextending everything. Um, so on the way up, it doesn't matter so much. But uh, if you are making a deep dive and coming back up and you look up and you're just going... Oh shit, that's a long ways up. You're you're psychologically just putting yourself down. So you just kick up. And like like you kind of learned on this trip, you start feeling that uh positive buoyancy point where you get a free ride up once you once you oh, get past. Oh, that's that. a great yeah. feeling. And I took your advice and didn't I took it even though I wasn't diving deep. <laughs> just to just to get in the yeah. just to get yeah. cuz like why form bad habits right. when you're just starting out. So yeah. once you told me not to look up, I just decided like I'm not even deep anyway, but I won't yeah. look up. Yeah, it's just a good and habit. And the light just when you're looking straight, once you do it a few times, you know right where you're at just yeah, by the amount of yeah. light pouring through. Yeah, and you if know? you're diving a particular relief, you'll, you know, from visibility to just kind of what's going on, you'll get a different feeling for the depths. But yeah, and then all of a sudden you feel it like rising up yep. and you just chill. You can stop and kicking <laughs> and free right up. Yeah. So there you are. So there I am kicking and for some reason I looked up and I was going, oh, I might as well kick up to the boat instead of kicking. Normally you just kick straight up, do your recovery breast and then kick wherever you're going to kick. For some reason I kicked to the boat and as I was reaching up um, as my dad describes a 12 by 12 boil pushed up about a foot around <laughs> me and I was grabbing the boat and knocked me off the boat I got back on the boat turned around and it was you know this just it looked like uh, disturbed water in like a rapids just this huge massive boil um, and the first thing my dad says is you think that could have been a whale? And then we start talking. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, oh, I've preached, you know, the backside of it and everything else. Um, so again, but like George said. So he changed his mind. The shark changed, came up and changed and I his think mind. The, the only reason probably is the visibility was good and I was coming up next to a, a large object, right? I was, I probably faded out against the boat because um, it happened right when I was reaching for the boat. Uh, so... Yeah, he changed his mind, thankfully, and I, thankfully I didn't come up straight up, else I probably would have either gotten bumped or nailed or who knows what would have happened. So, but yeah. I liked that you went and got right back in the water. I did. I, I uh, pulled the anchor, had my dad drop me on a lingcod hole about half a mile away. Was there anybody in there? Uh, that was empty. That was empty. And then after that, I kind of gone, you know, half a mile is just not far enough. So we ended up going out of the tournament zone about three miles, and I ended up getting the limits of everything and packed it up for the day and went home. But, yeah, you got to get in the water. One, one of my good friends got similar thing happened to him, and it was it was a little more of a process to get back in the water. I th- the, the parallels between um, the parallels between hunting in grizzly country and hunting in great white shark country th- yeah. there's a lot of parallels yeah where it's like it's just not gonna happen <laughs> but when it does you hear yeah. about it yeah and it's just in the back of your head and there's this sort of like you gotta be a little bit fatalistic about it yeah. 
And then you also feel like everyone's telling you, oh, the chances of getting attacked by a great white shark, or like you got better chance of getting attacked three times by lightning. Yeah. But then you're like, but you're in a very select high risk group. And in like archery hunting for elk, you're in a high risk group because of the things you're not doing. Like in the other parallel being, you have to do everything wrong. You're not making noise. You're making elk calls. Yeah. You're like slipping around. You're out at dawn. You're out at dusk. You know, you're in the vicinity of elk. Grizzlies like to be in the vicinity of elk. And so in spearfishing, it's like people could be like, oh, you know, beachgoers have zero chance of getting hit. But then you're like, you're, you're, you're going where the fish are. Seals go where the fish are. You're dealing with dead fish. And you're acting like a seal realistically, right? Yeah, you're, you're going like to the high bottom, holding risk your breath, shit, man. Sticking your head into a hole, wearing a, black a rubber, bunch of noise, wearing a yeah. black rubber suit, black rubber suit, and then slowly <laughs> ascending, right, for the picking. Uh, and this is something that we, we've kind of talked about in NorCal is if you, you, we, we are starting to push, and some of it's just training, and some of it's just you know learning from other mentors. But we are pushing into deeper realms, right? You know, you talk to someone twenty years ago. Very, very few, if anyone was was hunting in sixty five, seventy feet of water. Well, now you know this last nationals we. That's a good. That's for, like a good shark depth. Uh, it's just it's putting you off of you know traditionally the people say points are bad for sharks. There's certain areas are bad for sharks. Well, yeah, this is pushing you off those points. You know, a couple hundred yards plus, just like a a uh, place that we scouted for uh, Noyo Nationals. I mean, we were, I think this high spot was like half a mile offshore, and it dropped off. It. It, the shallow, you know, it was, there was a high spot at maybe 50 feet, but we were doing a lot of diving to 85 feet. What did we name that spot? So I think because really when we were scouting for this, it was eight to 10 foot swell. So we were at the whole thing we were planning on being offshore. Um, and we were actually with Dennis Hostler, he's what, five time national champion? Seven. Seven time national channel. Oh, man, he snuck two more in there. Um, so we were working this and we had to use a live boat because we couldn't anchor up. Uh, because everything was the swell was was way too far up. So um, yeah, and I a think live it, boat we, means that there's a dude running the boat, running the boat, no not anchor. anchored. Yep, yeah, yep, kind of like we did this morning because the anchor or the this current was running too well. I think we ended up diving or dumping Alex off, and then. Are you, you guys telling a shark attack story? The what? Is this a shark story? No. What are you guys talking about? You have this like a side a chat. Four, four yeah, piece. this is a little side chat between oh. us. But <laughs> this is about putting yourself in a situation where you are in the shark zone. Oh, okay. No, that's and not, we're talking that's not a side specifically chat. about the Great yeah. White. It's not a yeah. side chat. We're half mile offshore on a series of high spots, pinnacles, with drop off on the outside to 200 feet. And it's, if you were to look left and right parallel with the coastline, there's nothing out there. It's just open ocean both ways. And that's what people didn't do decades oh, ago. I yeah. forgot that's where we're going with this. Yeah. The, haps, the spear fishermen are pushing. Yeah, pushing we, out, and there's, yeah. there's more great whites than there were 10 years ago. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. They've been protected since the, about the mid-90s, so they're... Rebounding. Rebounding, yeah. Um, and we don't worry about it. Yep. It is what it is. I think when was the last time someone in this state got killed by a great white? That Rand was Randy Fry. Randy I don't Fry. remember the year, but it's probably been fifteen years. See, yeah. that's the difference between this and 
that's the difference between this and our stuff because every year someone gets dusted off by a grizzly. Couple, yeah. couple people a year, and I can't, few people a year. I can't speak to great whites taking people in other fashion, right? Swimmers or surfers or anything. But like that. people in your community, people in our community, the last one that was fatal was Randy Fry. I think shark attack fatalities in general are extremely low because there's a difference between an attack for food and an, and a bite for curiosity and great whites or defense. I mean, yeah, that's a big one. Great whites. They nibble for curiosity. Yeah. They do a, what's called a test bite. Yeah. That's a, it's, it was very gentle. Yeah. It's a very gentle hit you at 20 miles an hour (laughs) test bite. And that's enough for human flesh to be a killer. So that means what to you? Nothing. Oh. I mean, what can you do about it? I've got medical kit on the boat or always have a medical kit in the kayak. Yeah. Med kit on the boat. Most of the people I dive with could handle something like that if it came down to it. But again, if you're going to think about it and it defines your day, you're never going to get in the water. Yeah, I was surprised at the degree to which I wasn't thinking about it because you, you guys are probably past this, but when you're in those kelp forests, you know, I made the mistake recently of watching, they had a great white, they had a camera on it, uh-huh. and they had right footage the of that great white, that great <laughs> white hunting, that kelp, hunting the kelp forest, which is some cool footage, man. Yeah, 15, 20 feet of water, right? Just cruising Just right through. Just working your way through the kelp forest, yeah. man. It was unbelievable. Um, but it's like... It's it's kind of it's just spooky in yeah. there, especially in the waning light. When we were out last night when the sun was going down, that's called the magic hour. Oh, and it's yeah. just like a spooky atmosphere. It's so funny because you're like in spook land with your head down in the water, and it seems like you're the only person on the planet. And there's like shadows, and it's dark, and it's a kelp forest, and there's little canyons. It's quiet. And then you lift your head up and look, and it's like sunny California, man. There's like people out, like <laughs> sailboats and shit. And then you put your head back down, you're like, wow, it's totally scary. And then your head up, like, oh, I'm in California. Oh, it's totally scary. Back and forth. It's so intimate with the. And then that when you found that bait ball at dusk, mm-hmm. going out there in those rays. Yeah. The eagle rays cruising around. You guys saw eagle rays? No, they're uh, actually bat rays. Sorry, bat bat, rays. That's sorry, bat rays. It's okay. But it's like, if those aren't ghosts of of evil people, I don't know what they are. <laughs> they like, move. if you're really evil Man, and move. you die, you get to come back. <laughs> as a bat ray. As a bat ray at dusk. <laughs> well, and and they, they have that nose, oh. too, that kind of oh looks like, that jo- like a joker smile on the front end of them. I liked them, but I'm like, how... That's evil personified. That's like a ghost coming through the water. Yeah, I got in front of that wall, right? We had that big wall of blacksmiths that were defining where the current was starting to pick back up. And we were sitting in front of that. I made a dive, looked back at the bait wall, looked around, looked up, and two coming right over the top, just outlined silhouette right over the top. And they just... They move through the water so smooth. Yeah. It just, it's insane. They're just haunting the ocean. Yeah. They're like ghosts sent to haunt the ocean with spookiness. And they like the flashers. Oh, they're spooky. Yeah. Does anybody eat them? Who eats a ray in the ocean? 
Some Ham- people like hammer. No, not people. Like what? What? Animals? I've heard some people oh. actually take like a cookie cutter and will punch. Yeah, like you done that? Yeah. No, I've never done. No, that. I've cleaned some. Ribs. I don't know if I'm they have bad. a natural predator. They taste like scallops. or well, something. Well, I mean, hammerheads specialize in them. You don't have those right here, right? Don't have those here. Yeah. yeah. I thought juvenile great white sharks targeted them, but those might be stingrays, not bat rays. I don't know. So early on, I uh, took a couple leopard sharks, which are actually really good eating with spear. And then Alex was out on a trip with me, and I'm like, man, you know, they're right up in the, the little rocks, you know, 10 feet of water. They're cruising around in the in the stuff. And he's like, nope. And I'm like, why not, man? It's it's good table fare. You should get these. He's like, nope. I've made my I've made a deal with the sharks. I'm not going <laughs> to screw with them. They're not going to screw with me. And he's he's never taken one. But he just said, nope. I'm not going to screw with them. And they've honored their end of the deal. Yeah, it's been a good bargain so far. And I've been in some good sharky waters. Same with Greg. Yeah. Been in some big time sharky waters. But you guys lose your catches to sharks. Occasionally. Yeah. How's that play out? Fast. Fast and violent. Depends really on what, what type of shark it is. Like, really give good. me a scenario when you'd lose your catch to a shark. Uh, by the time you started that sentence to now, your catch is gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's that fast. And it depends on how many are around. You know, if it's if it's one, sometimes you can kind of fend them off of your catch. But if it's more than one. It just can become like a true feeding frenzy. I was offshore of Texas, and I shot a really big amberjack, and there's a lot of sharks around. And once that, did you already know the sharks were around? Yeah, we're targeting wahoo. I mean, you you get comfortable with sharks, you start being able to, you know, learn their body language like any animal. You know, they start putting their pectoral fins down, humping their back, swimming a little more erratically. It's you start getting a good idea of when it's time to leave. Something like a tiger shark that's a little more calculated. They they slink in and out of visibility. So sometimes you just get in. And there's a big tiger shark. And it's just let's move. But um, like you don't like to be in the vicinity of a tiger shark. Yeah. So I was not to change a whole other story. Like I was on a pinnacle out of South Africa, and there was four different types of shark on there. And um, there's but there's a a pretty big tiger shark. And you know most of the sharks you can just you watch them. You know okay that one's a, but this tiger shark would come up fade out of his ability three minutes later he'd be right behind you and within six feet of you yeah 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 it's a, they're just very very stealthy calculated sharks um bulls bulls are just super aggressive i mean there's there's a lot of aggressive sharks but yeah there's just a few that are a little, a little more of a handful how big more. is the t- what is the tiger shark you're talking about uh 14 15 feet somewhere in there it was a pretty healthy one they get bigger than that but that's big enough to like I said, they're very stealthy, so it's, <laughs> you kind of kind of decide if you want to deal with them or not. That particular pinnacle, I made the bad bad move. I shot a, a cuda, um, and it was just yeah. I actually landed the fish. I got the fish on the boat, but I was just I threw the fish on the boat and jumped in the boat right away, and it was just like oh god. And then I I ended up nothing happened. I mean, I had a couple people in the water kind of helping me out, but I probably shouldn't have pulled the trigger in that circumstance, but. Um, you learn to deal with them. It's just they're there, just like anything. So when they take your catch, they'll come right up to you. Yeah, I mean, there, there's times where you do not defend your catch. You just, let, like that, when I was talking about Texas, and that was one of those things I shot, you know, around a 90 to 100-pound class amberjack. We were actually targeting Wahoo, and uh, it's in the wintertime off of Texas, and there's just a lot of sharks, and they're, they're very aggressive. And it, so I shot a big amberjack it was big enough where i thought i stoned it i didn't and it just did one or two tail twitches and sank under the murk and once that happened it was just amberjack handoff 
It was just shark to shark to shark. The next five minutes was my float being dragged around by the sharks. Yeah, that's the <laughs> yeah. worst. That's brutal. the worst part. Yeah. The fish, so what? Your fish is gone. We shoot cable in this situation, like a like a five hundred pound multi strand cable. And when it's no big deal, they take your fish, but in the meantime, that cable gets in one of the sharks' mouths because as they just devour, they're running everywhere. And now your gear is just going. And that it can take 20 minutes to get your gear back. And you, all you want to do is fish. Yeah. So my float's going that you. way. I've got to wait for the boat. My buddy's laughing at me. And my float is just running off because the shark is now panicking. It was eating. The frenzy's over. And now it's panicking because it's caught up in the cable or the cable in its mouth. They eventually spit it out. But that could be a mile, mile and a half later. Like, come on, man. <laughs> just take the fish. Let me have my gear back so I can get back in the boat, get back up current, and I can get my own fish. Hey, man, after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if you've learned anything, it's that there is always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, well, what's the catch? But it turns out, there isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, Go to mintmobile.com slash meat eater. That's mintmobile.com slash meat eater. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash meat eater. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 per month. New customers on first three month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were onto something because organs are among the most nutrient rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from heart and soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised grass-fed and finished cattle heart and soils unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean convenient taste-free capsule find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. I want to tell you about an American-made success story and Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. Black Buffalo is all about the history and tradition of dip, but they understand the convenience and discretion modern-day consumers are looking for. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches give you the versatility to consume discreetly, but keep the ritual with flavors dippers love. 
Mint, straight, and wintergreen, all proudly made right here in the USA. Tell them, Chili. The reason I like black buffalo pouches is, one, they're very discreet. And what I mean by that is I can throw one in and almost forget it's there. And I prefer the mint pouches. So if you're 21 or older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the black buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online. They ship directly to most states or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. Um, Greg, you said something interesting to me yesterday where you talked about uh, that free diving or spear fishing i can't remember what you were saying reveals all the things that are wrong with your body absolutely <laughs> absolutely like all your problems if you want come a body check just go free diving you're like man that hurts and that doesn't feel good and i drink too much coffee and yeah, you're like heart problems heart, yeah. breast problems yep. lung issues yep uh, it's very taxing acid reflux everything and that's why as you kind of go through the sport, you kind of, you do, this isn't, this trip wasn't the best example, but, um, when you start pushing, you know, if you're going to do a serious hardcore dive, you tailor your, you know, you tailor your diet to that trip. You know, you, something, if I'm doing a lot of deep diving, I will basically, um, hydrate in the morning with maybe a little oatmeal, do a lot of stretching and I won't eat till dinner. I might have a light, light, light snack, but it's just hydration all day. Um, and that's that's to defend from you know acid reflux. That's you know just as far as changing your metabolism, your stomach having to digest everything. Uh, it's just it reveals kind of everything funky or how your body reacts to different things. I mean, I can drink coffee all day long. I go have two cups in the morning and go free diving. I will have the worst acid reflux ever. That's two things I noticed. Is we I had a cup of coffee one morning. We go out, and the reflux, as you explained, is because you're you're spending all your time upside down. Right. Because right. you dive head first. Yep. And it's you really it's hard to dive at an angle. Well, you shouldn't generally. You should not the, do the, that. The goal I and mean, you can if you if you like know hey, I'm gonna tuck under this kelp and dive down at an angle into the reef, that's fine. But generally, depending on what you're doing, you want to try to go straight up and so down. So you're supposed to do that. I just thought I started to think it was just easier to go straight up and down. I mean it does depend again, it depends on what you're doing. If you're if you have a lingcod hole or you know, a reef to check at eighty feet, you don't want to go at an angle because you're gonna add how many feet at an oh, angle. Oh, I right? got you. It's the most efficient way down. But the thing I noticed in in when you're gearing up to go down, um, there's like a there's a relaxation, calming of your heart and a breathing yep. sequence yep. you go through. One cup of coffee, I was okay. And I was having some acid reflux, so yeah. I'm upside down and all your shit from your stomach's coming up into your throat. Yeah. A second cup of coffee, and I, I like, a second cup of coffee, I realized that I could, because you're laying there and you're so focused on your heart, oh, I yeah. could feel Just, oh, yeah. the second cup of coffee. Boop, 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 boop. Yeah, and, you, you I'll can't be honest slow with your you, heart down, man. I was going to tell you not to drink the coffee, but I thought, no, yeah, break, break them in learned. slowly. Lesson break learned, them man. In slowly, like, yeah. that second cup, I actually... Which it, I was so aware of it. Yep. So aware of it. In the terms of how my heart was, like, just to trying to, like, calm my breath and get my yep. heart down. And I think that's one of the reasons in free diving you kind of start 
learning more about your bodies because you're it's it's like a type of yoga right you're focused on your breathing truly you feel everything you're kind of in a whole different mindset and um and you're kind of shut off really right you're trying to shut your mind off and slow your body down and that's kind of where you start learning a little bit more of what works and what doesn't because you know something like acid reflux which if you're just running around throughout your day you might just burp up some stuff and go about your day where this is i mean it is oh yeah burp and shit up yeah. into your snorkel yeah that's a drag worst, man if you don't lose it yeah well <laughs> yeah and then i then i outright bomb then i outright vomited <laughs> like i i'm talking full barrel full barrel like dude drank too much alcohol yeah having a bad flu it wasn't pretty vomiting oh and it was coffee colored did you notice that oh i noticed that and then yeah. i slipped right in and took fish right out from under that <laughs> off pile. my chum line yeah it was nice <laughs> no man i had some full-on vomits because i was drinking salt water and i was probably a little bit seasick which i didn't realize happened when you're riding the waves oh uh, yeah but mostly drinking salt water drinking too much coffee probably dehydrated puking all that junk up yep. dude it was miserable and that's one thing hard, you know, when you're traveling a lot, spearfishing, your first day or two a lot of times can be a break-in period because you're traveling, you're a little off, you're generally dehydrated, you're tired. It's just a lot of things all at once. But, yeah. I feel that it's a kind of fitness that you'd get that would be applicable to a lot of other stuff. Like, there's some fitness that doesn't really matter. Like, it matters. Right. It's cool. You know, if you get, like, your, you do enough weights where your neck gets all thick, and that's, some people think that's cool. <laughs> Right, but like it doesn't translate. No, but I feel like spearfishing fitness. Yes. Uh, and what we why do? You, why are you give me the Latvian smirk right now? Because <laughs> I want to hear there if yes, they say yeah. yes or no. Yeah, we know oh. we know a lot about fit, but it's different. It's not aerobic. It's anaerobic. What do you mean? It, yeah. Oh. When we're running, we're aerobic. We oh, so you feel that fitness. it doesn't translate to like it doesn't? It's not broadly applicable that fitness. It no. helps if you're in good aerobic uh, fitness. It goes a long, long. That's long a good ways. point, man. You're not. The goal is to not get all high, right? So the physical strength and your aerobic strength allows you to recover faster and essentially stay in the water longer. And the aerobic strength helps your heartbeat because your heartbeat goes through massive changes in a dive. The moment you hold your breath, your heartbeat goes down. You make your dive, your mammalian reflux kicks in, your heartbeat goes down further. As you turn to come back up and you hit the surface, your heart, that first breath, your heartbeat spikes. For oh, example, really? you might start your dive at typical, let's just take you for example. You probably started at 90 beats per minute. I have no idea. That, that's your guess. That's, okay. I, yeah. 90 beats per minute. Is that good? Greg and I might be able to get down to about 75 because we're moving a lot, right? In the water. You're probably at 90. You went down, you probably dropped from 90 to the high 70s. Okay. Maybe low 70s through your first couple of days here, which is pretty significant. When you hit the surface, that first breath, your heart was probably back to 120 to 125 within seconds. Cycling. Cycling new air. Cycling out nitrogen. Oh, okay. And then recover. Greg, he might start a dive at 75, 75, and might get down into the high 30s, low 40s, because of 
training mammalian reflux and he hits the surface his his heart rate will will spike 120 to 130 it'll and still spike cycle through come back down so your aerobic strength is huge for that right tons of pressure on your heart and your lungs and your vascular system yeah you know okay kind of what i meant too was um I had an observation recently. Let me back up because I had an observation recently where, no, I'll get there. I'll get there. I was having a lot of knee problems and it got worse and worse in my head because I thought I needed knee surgery. So then all I could think about was how bad my knee hurt. Yep. But then I go to an orthopedic doctor. He does his old magic. Tells me, in fact, I don't need a knee surgery. My knees look fine. I probably have like a some band that runs from your yeah, hip. Like your IT band? Yeah. He's like, around. you know, you could do some PT, but that's it's tugging on there, and that's why the pain drifts around, and you could do some stuff, and it's tight. And then all of a sudden, about two days later, my knee problem's gone. I said to Giannis, man, the, the, the membrane that separates <laughs> my brain from my body is not very thick. <laughs> and Giannis said, there is no membrane separating your brain from your body. So when I mentioned the fitness level, I think one of the things I'm thinking about is the level of, that would be applicable to other things in life, like hunting, is the level of, uh, there's a high level of grr, like G-R-R-R, grr. There's a high level of grr, a high level of focus, and a high level of um, willingness to subject oneself to something that some part of your body is thinking, let's just stop doing this and go yep. home. Yep. All day. All day. Over and like, over and over again. It's so much easier to not go spearfishing. <laughs> it just is. Yeah. It's easier yeah. to stand on the boat and catch ocean whitefish yeah. <laughs> on chunks of squid. Giannis's face yeah. the whole first day was looked like that. Yeah. Just... Like, why uh, in the world yeah. would you put, why in the world subject yourself to this? Because when it clicks, it clicks and it's really good. But I mean, the ability to like do that thing and, and watching you guys, the first day we got in. So to, to get us up to speed, we went out. I want you guys to explain like, what we did to practice. The, the line, explain oh, the line yeah. grabbing. Uh, before you explain the line grabbing, I'll say that Right away when you guys got in the water, I just noticed that one, you guys are you guys are calm and methodical on land. Yeah. Which maybe you're like very organized, mm-hmm. very methodical. I've never been called organized, Steve. Your stuff is organized. Uh-huh. You have organized brains, okay? You're like very you're purposeful, you're you you're you're pragmatic. Uh-huh. Um you guys seem like like highly capable at a lot of stuff, right? Right. Thank you. Like yeah. you're not you're like you, for instance, you don't drink alcohol, right? Right. Which is like a thing you've decided. That's just like you made a thing. Like, what's there to gain from it? What's there to lose from it? Like you run calc. You like you're calculating in your head, like your life, right? And you seem like that, and you get in the water, and it becomes more amplified. Where you guys are so like calm and slow and deliberate and purposeful that even when you go to put your hand to your nose to plug it it's like you've done that 10,000 times yep 
And you thought about how one pinches one's nose. How did we tuck the elbow <laughs> in like, so it doesn't like, drag? Yeah. Everything just seems so like, I do it this way. Yeah. And it's because it works good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's what it, no, it's what it feels like. It's just like, and I get the water, I'm like, ah! ah! <laughs> right? It's my, like, in my head, it's, I'm going, ah! But you guys are going, it's like, hmm, in the water. Yeah. <clears throat> I feel like the hump, for me, it was three days. The first day was a lot of, ah! And, I'm in the water! Yeah, I'm in the water. I'm kind of, there's too much thrashing going around. And then by today, I was just like, yeah, just chill. Yeah. Yeah. You're in the water, man. You were laying, we drove up on you. You're laying perfectly flat, relaxed. He'd returned, he'd returned to the womb by yeah. then, man. Just I realized that if you out. kick your fins, like if you make like a 90, instead of leave, leaving your uh, feet kind of... I don't know what that position is, but your toes down below your ankles, uh-huh. that seemed to drag my feet down. And as soon as I would kick my, like, More make 90s with my, yeah. an- with my ankles, that would make my feet come up right up high. Yeah, and it's, a lot of it's body position, kind of figuring out where how to sit and what's comfortable. Yeah, you guys say you like to lay like a, dr- like a log drifting in the ocean. <laughs> Hopefully something's When you're looking here. down, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want you to explain the hand pulling down thing. But to get to another point about the calmness is I, I learned how to look at you uh-huh. and know when you were going to dive uh-huh. because you look like a, like a dead seal. Yeah. You just <laughs> like your relax. arms, you're kind of like, you look like a, like a somewhat like a pa- passing glance. So I'd be like, oh, there's a drowned person. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like no, just you, sort of like floating in the ocean. Your arms would kind of go down and I'd be like, oh, Greg's going to dive. <laughs> and you just look like you're like totally like giving yourself to the sea. Yeah, I mean that's to get your heart rate right. The but I could then I could, if I got close to you, then I could hear the weird breathing. Oh, like the the cleansing breath. The cleansing breath. Yeah. yeah, and I, yeah. then I could start to listen for that. Yeah. But yeah, you first just look like a, like you were dead. Yep. But going or whatever you're doing. Well, hopefully slower than that. <laughs> <laughs> Blowing a sailboat. Yeah. <laughs> a baby paper sailboat without making the water ripple. Yeah, but then there's those little somewhat hyper breaths. The cl- he he does. I do he, cleansing. He breaths, has a yeah. cleansing breath routine. Yeah, I don't do that. And the thing that you guys talking about breathing that really stuck in my head is when you take your last breath, that you're feeling like three stages. Yeah, you're like filling your balls with air. Imagine, and then <laughs> you're like you stomach, and then your stomach up, and then you top it off at the tippy top of yep. your chest. To be chop and then you and then like pull your shoulders back. It's a, a great bit. way to go. It's like you just imagine just like yeah. this empty cavity filling from the bottom up with air. I, I, I want up liking that quite a bit. I know breath. when I do it right, there's no resistance. My stomach just floats up. My chest opens up, right? Lower thoracic, upper thoracic, a uh, little scapulic rotation. <laughs> Is that a word? I like it. I like it. <laughs> Scapulic <laughs> rotation. You just got and I know. And if you could see it, you'd really understand it. And it comes up, and then my neck feels like it gets a little. And when right when I'm pulling that snorkel out, my cheeks just puff, and it's just one giant air, air sac. And when I make that dive, no, and, and you I know to clear. Oh yeah, I clear hands free. Did you notice that? I did. And you do a little bit of that now and then. I do. I mix it up, yeah. Tell the know. name of the two ways to clear. Uh, Frenzel and Valsalva. 
Yeah, I've been friends. I think you're friendsland now. No, I'm friendsland. I'm hardcore friendsland, man. You're friendslers. So, yeah, but you do your little clear at the surface. You start at the top and never stop. Clear. 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 You don't wait till you're like, ears are going to blow up and then decide to clear. Explain how we started out our trip. Started off the trip. Did a long-ass boat ride. Long-ass boat ride. Drank a bunch of coffee, which you're not supposed to do. Yep. Had a big breakfast, In a large fishing boat. <laughs> in a large fishing boat. That might, at passing glance, <laughs> resemble a yacht. Yes, maybe. We might have dabbled in the <laughs> yacht. To the untrained eye, it might look like a yacht. I think the definition is 39 feet. Anything over 39 <laughs> feet could be classified yes. as a yacht. We're just a bunch of dudes. Uh, so we uh, put a line out for you. And this is not typical of a spearfishing trip. Um, but it's a great way to warm up. You say it's not typical. No, I mean, your average but you were every teaching, day. You were teaching. Yeah, so yeah, you were mentoring yeah, me yeah, and Yeah, there you go. So, um, and sometimes we will. If you're, if you're planning on doing deep diving on your spearfishing trip, you might spend 10 minutes throwing a line out and doing some pull downs. But uh, for you guys, we set up a buoy at, what was it, 32 feet? I think it was the bottom, somewhere around there. Um, which the deepest what you've ever been is what, 15-ish? I mean, if I had, I'd be shocked to hear that yeah. I dove to 20. Yeah. No, because like I said, in my, the lake where I grew up, the deepest place in that lake was 23 feet. Well, there you go. And I don't know that it was the deepest hole we went, which <laughs> yeah. is down by Buckskin Bend, yeah. but you would now and then dive down past the drop off and stick your hand and, and experience how cold the muck was on the bottom of the lake. But no, I hadn't, I had definitely not dove more than 20 feet. Deep. Yeah. So we set the line at, you know, basically one atmosphere. Probably like um, 18 feet, maybe. Yeah. Was, was where's where were your deepest? Yeah. If I really was going for it. Yeah, and, and we put the put the uh, weight at about 33 feet, about an atmosphere. And the big thing uh, with that is that's where you experience your biggest lung compression. So it becomes at about that point, that's the biggest part where your equalizing will become harder. Um, so basically set up a buoy with a line going down to about 33 feet. And what you do... Bunch of weight on the bunch bottom. Bunch of weight on the bottom. You need at least 20 pounds. You should have 20 pounds or a little bit more, 20, 25 pounds. And the buoy is just drifting with the weight on it. Drifting. We, we tied it off to the boat because there was a slight current. Yep. So it doesn't float off. But I mean, it doesn't, need to hit, it doesn't need to hit the bottom. You can just hang the weight off Generally, the yeah. Generally, you don't want it on the bottom. Um, you want it a little off the bottom. And you start by not even kicking. And some people actually not even wear their fins at this point. They'll just jump in, no fins, um, and slowly start... You know, doing your breathing process, getting water on your face kicks in that mammalian dive reflex, slows everything down, and you start pulling down and you start equalizing basically every other pull, right? So you're uh, pulling clear, pull clear. Like every time your hand comes off, yep. clear. Yeah, basically clearing on your way down. And that basically one for you guys is a big thing was um, we had we had talked about clearing with the Frenzel method before, but that was to try to see how you guys were clearing and um, to do it up. inverted. Yeah. Right. Which, you can walk around all day upright. Yeah. That's above a, water. Well, yeah, me and Yanni, right. been, we've been friendsling all the time in the yeah. office and everything. We've been <laughs> <laughs> well, <not> friendsling. <laughs> but not, we weren't friendsling. We weren't <laughs> no. hanging each other by the ankles yeah. and friendsling like that. Yeah. Upside down yeah. and add pressure. Yeah. yeah. Body starts to do a couple different things. I, check me if I want to walk yeah. the listeners through what I'm talking about huh. and check me if I want to mess up. Uh, to clear properly while spearfishing, uh-huh. you need to learn how to pop your ears by not without moving your diaphragm. 
That's that's correct. I mean, it's so dead on. It's, what do you mean it's it, correct? It is, it's like it absolutely true. It is, but there's even if you go further into the into the com- like competition world, there's even debate about how efficient the Frenzel technique is. But like for your everyday recreational person, okay. Frenzel is basically okay. Just, let me just do it again. But like, wait, don't wait, don't, don't parse hairs. You know, what parsing hairs. Picture taking please, a hair and, and slicing <laughs> the hair, splitting even a thinner. frog's hair four times. All right, you do it. You tell people. No, you t- what? Okay, so what you don't want to do, or what you advised me to try on a conference call. Is this another? Yeah, is this another mentor no, moment? This is a mentor <laughs> moment. This is the fourth problem I've had with my mentor. We're now. <laughs> He's backing out on things he explained to me because he's imagining his spearfishing buddies yep. doing that. Well, yeah, but, well, yeah, but well, that's I'm, only part of the story. As a, <laughs> a, as a listener, you nailed it. Okay. So picture that you, the listener, uh, take a moment, grab, pinch your nose. Yep. And just blow with all your might until your ears pop. Lightly. Don't I blow just did with it. all your might. Like, blow like, blow yeah. lightly until your yeah. ears pop. Why are you giving me the Latvian smirk again? <laughs> it's just fun watching you do this. <laughs> okay. Now. And you got that cute voice going when you plug your nose. Imagine that. <laughs> um, if you're doing the frenzel technique. Correct. You are doing with your throat what you do when gurgling mouthwash. You're shutting off. You, you are isolating with your epiglottis your lungs. Yes. Yeah. There's a horrible YouTube video that Greg loves. <laughs> That explains how to do it. I don't it. think it's so I, bad. I didn't say I loved it. Greg I loves said it. will explain in depth what's going Greg on. Greg loves the video and loves it, watching the person. He does, sure. like that it. guy does a good job explaining what it is. So I, I didn't think so. I didn't learn. I didn't understand it until I had a conference call with Greg. Oh, that's, thank you. Yeah. A little Here plug for your dive shop. So <laughs> you echo no, your gargling mouthwash. So most people struggle with being able to know what their soft palate is and how to isolate their epiglottis. Yes. And for me, the simplest way to explain is, you know, ex, you know, if you are gurgling mouthwash, you are controlling your epiglottis, right? You're basically shutting everything off. Yeah. If you weren't, it, you'd either choke on it or go in your stomach, right? So it's basically shutting everything off. And that way you can use your basically um, epiglottis and your, you know, your upper respiratory system to clear your ears yeah if you will the listener can take their tongue uh-huh. and explore the roof of their mouth uh-huh. and if you go where you put a diaphragm call that's your hard palate go back and yep. there's a little soft area why you yep. give me the smirk again <laughs> I'm, I'm right now i'm working my tongue through my oh, mouth yeah, okay. doing what you're explaining so bring your tongue back and there's a soft spot back there yep if you are doing the frenzel clearing method you close your gargling deal. Yep. Take your tongue and you're kind of driving your tongue up into the soft palate and creating yeah, yeah. a little that that's like the feeling that I have. Yeah, yeah. And like you're like it's basically creating a little up like a air, piston. A air pop yep. in your ears and you're not doing anything with your chest. No, and that, that's the big thing is you're basically you want your soft palate, which is if you put your tongue even further back, there's that soft part. And that's your soft palate. And you want that actually in a neutral position. So if you do an example of if you can't isolate your soft palate is if you're doing a neti pot, um, if you can't kind of separate anything out, that neti pot will either, the water will either go into your mouth or go down your throat. If you can isolate your soft palate, it'll go in one nostril, out the other one. So it's, it's learning oh. all the different 
parts of your your neck, your throat, your soft palate, your sinuses, all that other stuff. And the this reason is, this is great. The reason you don't want to <laughs> get, I, I love this. Well, I got a question. What's yeah. so funny? If you keep diving, you won't even remember any of this. No. I don't it, know. I don't. I, I got no idea what you guys are talking about. You just clear. I just clear. Yeah. <laughs> but I just show up. Clearing and dive. is the obstacle. Yeah. Not, I don't. So when when we first started, no, it's talking, the number one thing that, 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 that most it's people, what yeah, separates yeah. me from having all of the fish in the ocean be dead. Right. Is clearing. Right. And if, George, if I could clear, there would be no fish left in the ocean. <laughs> it's just, but you can clear thank, now, right? Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. yeah. Thank God. George, <laughs> scuba dove before he free dove, technically, and scuba diving, you start to create good clearing habits. Yeah, but you got all the time in the world. You're not Does, in such it, a damn hurry. Doesn't matter. You're still creating the clearing takes as long as a finger snap, right? So you really don't think about how it's hard to clear. No, it it, it once you get it, it yeah. is not even something that the only time I think about it is when I get plugged up and at thirty three feet it's going wee <laughs> my ears like ow. Yeah. And then I've got to grab well, for a beginner. But it's, in the it's beginning, the, it's the, the major main obstacle. thing. And I it's have to, one. annoyingly, top priority. I'm trying to do my dive, and I have to stop, waste precious seconds to turn my head upright to catch a bad, to, if I really have a hard time catching a clear, I got to like snake around, get my head upright, catch a clear, and then get back into my groove. And that t- eats up your time. And that goes back to the point of, man, it sure is a lot of work. Yeah. It eats up your time, and that's what keeps you from finding all the fish and shooting them. But I would, I would say you clearing. did awfully well, though. Yeah, despite I'd say you did pretty well. And we should probably give you some props eventually, but we might wait. No, till I don't want to. Do, I don't want to get into that. Um, <laughs> I just want it to be that I'm an aspiring spear fisherman. <laughs> but uh, that's the number one. Anyways, friends, or clearing is probably the number one thing that will stop someone from being successful in freediving. And if you can't clear, you cannot descend. And it is what will stop you. A spearfisher, but not you guys once told me that, like, my whole life, people have told me they can't clear. Mm-hmm. But it's just a thing you have to learn how to do. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something, you know, I think one of our early conversations is that, hey, put your hand on your diaphragm and clear. And you said your diaphragm was clearing. You know, that's that's not going to work long Yeah, term. explain, just, we'll, we'll leave this, we'll put this yeah. to rest. We'll start yeah. talking about how you guys hunt pelagic fish. But, um. Why, why can't you just use your uh, whole diaphragm? Explain to people what happens. So basically, if you're using your diaphragm, you're using your diaphragm to put pressure on your lungs to move the air up into your basically throat, into your um, station tubes to equalize your eardrum. So if you're upside down, one air floats, right? So your, your air is going to be <laughs> against your diaphragm. You're having to push it, I think, something like it's a 60 massive centimeters. Amount of it's a, it's a yeah. long ways to push it down to get it down to your head. Uh, to equalize your eardrums. Because it wants to go the other direction. It does. and It's trying to go up through your fins. <laughs> basically up yeah. to your toes, yeah. <laughs> so um, it, it'll alert, uh, a lot of times it'll work in very shallow water, but not as, as you go deeper, it will not work. Yeah, and right now, you've worked your top 30 feet. You've yeah. learned a frenzel. No, Event. no. Okay, you're, you're working on frenzel. We're, I got better and better yeah. and better, and then my ears got weird and funny. And now this is what's going to happen. When you break, when you finally break your 60 foot mark we're gonna have to teach you how to do a mouth fill so all the air that's available in your mouth has now compressed people that are very good 
that can control the epiglottis will hold that remaining air in their mouth. People who don't control the epiglottis, where does the air go? Gravity well, through their and pressure. A lot of time it gets pushed into their stomach and you lose the air. Now you've made your dive. You're down at 60, about 66. Yeah, talk 60 about what's feet. happening to your mask. You've got to now add air to your mask and you have to add air back into your mouth in order to equalize all your open air cavities. So you do what's called a grouper, like a grouper call. <laughs> right? And that's something not, not everyone has to, I mean, Very, I, don't, I don't grouper call at depth until you have to get, until you get really deep, but some people have to grouper call at shallower depths. But yeah, and I, I preload my mouth with air. Right around 60, 65 feet, always preload, so I've got plenty to deal with oh, making my mouth comfortable. Point? Right around 60 to 65 feet. Where are you getting the air from? In your lungs, but it's compressed. So we do this grouper call. If you were to close your mouth okay. and go, it's closed. Take a little breath, so you get a little pressure, and now make a grouper grunt. Go from your stomach and push it into your cheeks. See that? You filled your cheeks. That's a grouper call. And then close the epiglottis, and now you get to use that air to make your mask comfortable and continue clearing as you work your way down. Because your 100. mask starts wanting to suck your eyeballs out. Oh, it's miserable. <laughs> miserable. <laughs> It's, it's miserable. At what depth is that happening? Depends at the volume of your mask. <laughs> yeah. It makes a big yeah. difference. But, but for me, personally, when I'm diving, 60 to 65, I'm preparing my mouth fill, adding, adding additional air into the mask, and then from there, it's smooth sailing. I can then clear comfortably up to 115, 120, no problem. But I hit about 100. If I don't have enough air in my mouth, I physically can't do another grouper gulp because everything's so compressed. I can't get enough air out. So if I don't preload, then I've got to stop my dive. Um, I've talked a lot of times over the years about how houndsmen, like people that hunt with hounds, have more, hold more units of information in their head. <laughs> than most other kinds of hunters, okay? There's more units of info in there than other kind of hunters. Uh, I do think that uh, spear fishermen have more, have more units of information packed in their head than normal fishermen. I, I, I'd agree. Because there's just this whole other added thing about staying alive. Yeah, yeah. A lot of body checks when you're underwater, right? Did you find yourself when you were diving kind of going, how do I feel? No, uh. but I found myself every time I got in the water feeling like I must have forgot some part of this. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was always like pleasantly surprised to sort of like get in the water and be like, oh yeah, all my shit's here. Got the weight belt on, my crotch strap. It's a good mentor. Spear. Excellent. Excellent yeah. mentor. Snorkel, kind of. Well, once you got in, <laughs> let's say you got in your mojo. And you're out there and you're making your dives. You were out there for a long time. I, I saw you swim maybe a mile along that reef line. And you're working your deal. Oh, I'm lost in the world then, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> but at what point are you diving and going, okay, I feel really good right now. Yeah, then, that would strike me as, un I would take note because it was the unusual feeling right. to feel good. Sure. I'd be like, wow, I feel okay. This was, e this was a Did good dive. Did you ever have a dive when you didn't? 
think about diving and you just dove? No. Or do you, no. was it always, always a process? Always very deliberate, a little bit of dread, <laughs> like not looking forward to it. <sighs> Why am I out be here? Be like, maybe I'll just stay at the surface and be like, no, because that's like giving up and dying. I need to go back down and like mess with my ears. I'll just keep listening to the Darth Vader breath. <laughs> Going, do, you, do you feel like it's Darth Vader when you're breathing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, why am I breathing like that? Just breathe chill. And then I would for like three breaths and then I catch myself. <laughs> <again>. <laughs> yeah, the Darth Vader. But no, I loved it. Loved it. But no, I'm not. Uh, I would take note if I felt comfortable. A little bit of paranoia of the unknown. It's like going through brush. It's like going through thick brush underwater to be in the kelp. It's like... The two things you don't want, like in life generally, like you don't want to be stuck underwater. Yeah. And you don't want to be in thick brush. But here you are underwater in thick brush. <laughs> With like a ceiling above <laughs> you that somehow you have to penetrate when you come back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're underwater trying to scout out a place where you can come up yeah. and get a breath. Looking for that sunbeam. Yeah, <laughs> looking for a sunbeam so you can uh-huh. like poke your noggin up through there and get a breath of air. Oh, man. Okay. Talk about hunting pelagics. This is interesting. We kind of covered hole hunting. Hole hunting. Yep. It's, whole, a, it's its own thing. There's a, there's a lot of different styles hunting. Uh, pelagics are a whole other... How do, yeah, how do you... You tell me. How do you guys divide the world up? Uh, I would say blue water and reef are, okay. the, are the big... is a big reef, split. Deep reef. Deep reef and then blue water. Blue yeah. water. Let's start with reef. Yeah. Reef, Give people a rough rundown of what reef hunting is. Let's call reef. 60 feet and less. Yeah. Yeah, 60 feet and less. Um... Depends on where you're diving. I mean, it's every every location. The cool thing about the U.S. is it has so many different regions with different species of fish that it's just nothing's the same. I mean, you can go Northern California is different than Southern California, which is different than uh, you get down into Baja is a whole other thing. The Northeast, you get into Striper and Tog and all those fish. You go south of there, you get into a whole other set of fish. Florida has both sides that are different sites of fish. It's just... I think in the U.S., the Hawaiians are probably the best reef hunters 60 feet and less fast fish it, you you have to learn a lot of different techniques based on what you're hunting mm-hmm. in 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 hawaii because it's so sunny and there's such good visibility that you learn to while you're looking down you learn to look for shadows because so you can stalk fish so you can put your body in that shadow you ever been on the highway driving along, happy as a clam, and there's a highway patrolman under an overpass sitting in a shadow. Yeah. And you're like, I never saw that guy. Yeah. Same concept. You stick your body in that shadow, hope you don't get bit by an eel, and you wait. (laughs) (laughs) Right? The Hawaiians are phenomenal at that. Yeah, Hawaiians in Florida. Yeah. Floridians, really good. Floridians fall more in the deep reef. I mean, the Hawaiians, of course, have great deep reef. but. Um. And then doing that kind of hunting, because we did a fair bit of it, you guys also, you kind of scouting from the surface a yeah. little bit if you can, or you dive down to find the nooks and crannies that you'll go explore. But I noticed you a lot of times would be looking down, and you have a pretty good eye for it. Yeah, Because start- I would watch you looking down when there was good clarity, and I wouldn't see, and then you'd go down and vanish into a hole or vanish into a ledge that I wouldn't recognize. I wouldn't get, see the, I wouldn't see the ledge. I wouldn't you, realize there was like a little hidey hole down there. Yeah, you get an eye for it. Um, 
I guess I'm I there's there's a couple different types of spear fishing. When I'm I'm the one that I will kick a lot until I find I, I see what I like and and what I I can read really well, and then I'll stop and work the area. Some people will just methodically inch by inch work a reef. I'll kick until I see something I like, whether it's bait or a certain feature underwater. And you get trained kind of going, you know, the eelgrass is laying this way, and you, you know you learn how to read it where it sways back and forth, going, oh, that's a hole. You know, I'm gonna go pick up that hole or. Uh, you just get an eye for it. It's just like anything. And it's just like you up up in the mountains. You know, you, you have an eye for, you know, what you're looking for and what specifically you want to hunt in. Yeah, like little pockets that are yeah. going to hold stuff. Yeah. Like in one, you went down, shined a flashlight into it, yep. came and got me. Yep. And then we went down together and shined a flashlight. It was like looking into a cupboard. Yeah, yeah. And there was a sheep's head hide in there. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, uh, you just learn how to read certain reefs and, and how to hold on. I mean, I would say... Uh, divers from Northern California are very, very good hole hunters because that's that's what we do all day, and that's where ninety percent of our, you know the good fish are, are in the in the holes. Yeah, hole hunter. Yeah, ground and pound. Ground and ground, pound. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, ground. <laughs> ground, and ground and pound. pound yeah. Now a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart, or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid, and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in, ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. I want to tell you about an American-made success story and Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. Black Buffalo is all about the history and tradition of dip, but they understand the convenience and discretion modern-day consumers are looking for. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches give you the versatility to consume discreetly, but keep the ritual with flavors dippers love. Mint, straight, and wintergreen, all proudly made right here in the USA. Tell them, Chili. The reason I like black buffalo pouches is, one, they're very discreet. And what I mean by that is I can throw one in and almost forget it's there. And I prefer the mint pouches. So if you're 21 or older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the black buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online. They ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. Rain or shine every day is a great day for fishing, right? And you probably got rain gear, but you shouldn't overlook sunny day gear. Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest day. 
Man, I was just in Hawaii and I had my Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie with me. And here's the deal. We're in and out of the water all the time, getting in to go spearfishing, getting out, taking the kids to the beach. I'm not going to mess around all day putting sunscreen on and having to get washed off. I just run a hoodie. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to, especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad-spectrum UV protection? We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow, so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head on over to Columbia.com slash PFG and shop all of their performance fishing gear. Okay, move on to Plagic. This is the thing that was pretty interesting that we did. Yeah. There, now we're working with some attractants. We're not chumming because that whole shark thing we're not cool with. But we're using the attractant, right? So, so it's We've like people that generally don't want to chum in shark areas. You'll, you'll cut burly. It just depends. I mean... Yellowtail, I don't feel chumming for yellowtail over like a, a flasher works much better. Nah. I mean, yeah. Depends on what you're going for. And again, it, some things you just have to keep simple. Mm-hmm. Floating flasher, nice and simple. You throw it out, it does its deal. And you have a little throw flasher that you throw and it hits the surface. Well, explain the floating flasher because people aren't going to know. I, trust me, people will not know what the hell you're talking about. Like three people will. Imagine <laughs> a float that looks like a chicken. It does. <laughs> right, it does. And that's filmed with foam. So your chicken's filled with foam. It's got fishing line on it. And hanging from that fishing line are some flashers. Well, it looks like a bunch of fishing lures. Yep. Looks like a little, yeah, Spinner, a bunch of fish. Uh, Spinnerbait blades. Oh, yeah, yep. exactly. And on the bottom, some like... Yeah, some what's that thing that we, we put on line behind the banana when we're fishing the well, silver? It's called a flasher. Oh. Yeah, it's called a flasher. Dodgers and flashers, yeah. And we like to put a squid on the bottom for decoration to hide the weight. Oh, that's what he's on there for? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And you got a pom-pom on the bottom of yours. Yeah, mine's a, mine looks like a miniature bait ball from far away. Okay. It does that's, look really good. Yeah, it's a teaser. That slays them. <laughs> Not it also does really well in my engine prop, doesn't it, Captain George? <laughs> Slaying them. <laughs> so you go out and hang this thing in the water. And we float with it. Yeah, like riding the current. Riding the current, relaxing, and looking for signs. This is... You're just hovering over this suspended string of Christmas ornaments hanging (laughs) off a... (laughs) They're suspended vertically at about 25, 30 feet, depending on the visibility. Oh, yeah, we should talk about that. We put it at a certain height on purpose. Depends on what you can see, right? On the vis and where we think those fish are going to be. We didn't tell you, but there was a thermocline at about 30, 35 feet. Okay. We wanted to stay above that thermocline. And we wanted to stay above that thermocline for a couple reasons. Number one, we didn't want to spook all of our bait. Our bait were great. You see how happy they were? Oh, they were very calm. Tens of, th- hundreds of thousands yeah. of tuna crabs. Uh-huh, the tuna crabs and... I'm talking about, yeah, and then the bait bait. And then the bait bait. They were happy. They were relaxed. If we kept making repetitive dives underneath them... And coming back up, they would get agitated and, and, disperse. And, and disperse, and they would mess up our whole mojo there. So we stayed on top of it, above all that. And that's really good. So we've got our hanging flasher, and then we utilize a throw flasher, which is, again, our little fishing lure. But we throw it, and then it floats down. 
and it reflects very light. slowly very slowly like one foot two foot three feet right and it goes down and it shines and then we dive down and we get it we pick it up and we look up down left right and then in they come now the the art of blue water hunting is being able to see your fish incoming and being prepared for them really good blue water hunters can pick out can start to pick out changes in the uh, in the color of the water before the fish actually get there so we see dark shadows and that allows us to be a little we can make an adjustment so we can cut an angle a little better and because this thing is not going to be stopping. No, and they're moving fast. They blast through. Yeah. So in our blue water, we got yellowtail and a bonito. The yellowtail was in a school. I think he had a group, uh, the yellowtail I saw had a group of 20 other fish with them. Bonito. No, the yellowtail. You saw a school of 20 yellowtail? Yep. Oh. Did you too? No, mine which I'll get to, trust me. <laughs> it was a two-pack. Yeah. And they were lost. No, I'm just wondering, <laughs> I'm just wondering where, where was I when you saw the... I didn't hear about this 20-pack of yellowtail. It was right at dusk last night. It was night. The one we're, oh. what we were doing last night at dusk oh, with, the, okay. with the ghosts of the evil people swimming around in the ocean. Got it. The yeah, we, we had multiple schools come through. The first school that came through came through so fast, there was nothing that I could do about it. I just let it be came back to the surface, re-threw my flasher, relaxed, flasher went down, I went back down, then that school came back around, and I took that first fish. Hauled him back to the boat. Got him up quickly, threw him in the boat, and went back out. When I was rebanding my gun, I threw my flasher, and the school came back around, but this time twice as fast. They were smoking through the water, fast, fast. And I couldn't get my gun loaded fast enough. So they did, they did their deal. And then we continued to stay in front of the bait, right? The bait kind of created like a vertical wall. And that was where the two currents were, were merging. And it's a beautiful thing when that happens. And you shot that tasty little... Oh, that little bonito. Yeah. And he comes hauling ass through. Man, that was a school of three, four. Came in super quick. I was on the surface. I just rolled the shoulder and let the spear fly. Didn't, no aim, no, there's no time for any of that. It's purely instinctual. Sliced him right through the gut. <laughs> and fortunately, the spear went all the way through and they go so berserk that he just wrapped himself up. And I pulled him up. Plus he was what, 18 inches long? And we ate him in a bath of soy sauce and... Tapatio. Tapatio with some jalapeno soaked in lime juice. Yep. So good. No, dude, that was so good. So good. <laughs> the yellowtail, now I'll tell you my... I'll revel you with my... Uh, or you can, uh, I'll tell you my yellowtail story. We were, like I said, they were lost. <laughs> up against the cliff in how many feet of water? Uh, I'd say 15... 
to uh, 20 was right in range, but most like your fish was laying in about 15 feet. Yeah, I was hole hunting. Yeah, yeah, you were hole hunting. Ground in the pattern. And I look and with a 90 centimeter, centimeter gun. Yeah. And I look gun. and I'm like, and they come past me and I'm like, you got to be shitting me. And uh, they're big. Like, wait, well, how big was the one I got? He was about 15, I'd say, in that 15 ish range. He comes past. I'm thinking closer big to Big freaking 30 yellow pounds. tail, man. He's got like a sickle on his tail. And they come past. And I turn, and they go out of view. And I'm thinking to myself, I have never in my life caught up with a fish. <laughs> and I almost was like, yeah, never mind. But then I'm like, yeah, I'll try to go over in their direction. So I start swimming and catch up with them. Something must have distracted them or something. And they cut left, and I shot the one. Boom. Your mentor was right Ouch. there to yep. back you up. No, I couldn't find my mentor. Had my mentor been nearby... <laughs> Um, the rest of us heard someone screaming. Had my mentor <laughs> not pitched. done what he had done to me earlier when I was drowning, which is not be around. In, in this case, my mentor's lack of attentiveness <laughs> cost I, him a fish. I did put you on that line, though. I said, swim in front of me. Yes, you did. Because the other, the other yellowtail in the two-pack, this is really startling to me. It was like, have you guys ever uh, hunted Canada geese where a double will come over and you'll hit one of the geese? And sometimes you'll get like three or four pass-throughs by the other goose. Because they mate for life. Or to put it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, it's a little bit more complicated. But, <laughs> or let's say someone were to uh, shoot a yearling deer. Let's just say. and Or let's say someone were to shoot a doe with a yearling deer and then watch the, the yearling one could imagine how it might hang around for a while. The fish, the, his buddy, is just z- like cutting cookies around me. Yeah. And at one point in time, I'm not joking, it passed 18 inches in front of my face. And I'm thinking, man, a good mentor would be <laughs> would have just shots, go, like could put a box of spear gun darts into this thing. Probably. I was but busy was, looking was for a snorkel. nowhere to be found. And, um... I, you should feel pretty lucky about that experience. Oh, because listen, it's pretty. It's it's, I knew it's insane special. The second it happened, I knew that it was special. Um, when trying to hail uh, some help to get the other fish, that's what I was originally after. He'd get the other fish, and then uh, wanting him to not pull off the spear. Yeah, the whole thing. But once I finally got my mitt on him, you were feeling good, dude. It was really cool. Yeah, to get a big fish that's good raw is that doesn't happen to a freshwater person. No, a big fish that I have been ordering the flesh of for the past twenty five (laughs) years. No, when did I start eating? Like when did I start having like the wherewithal to go to a sushi restaurant? I've been eating the flesh of for twenty years, fifteen years in sushi joints. And to have that son of a bitch in my hand by the gill cover <laughs> or to by the throat. You're mine. Yeah. You're all, yeah. Greg showed me a special way where you grab them like up in. Oh, the paralyzer. Yep. Yeah. And squeeze. You yeah. get them like your hand is, you got your thumb in one through the gills on one side, your four fingers through the gills on the other side, and you're holding his, his comma, his hamachi comma, <laughs> his throat. <laughs> and then I was like, I cannot believe I got this fish. At that point, which is about 20 minutes after I shot it. (laughs) (laughs) And you did everything right. You took the time, bled it. Then we did all that later. Yeah. 
And then after bleeding it, gutted it, and then right on ice. And it was good. The perfect yep. pathway yep. to your plate. Yanni, tell one of your uh, tell a fishing story. I only got one. Well, no, <laughs> well, it's one long one because I shot two, only recovered one sheep's head. But uh, my mentor stuck with me the whole time. It's right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you were like a, like a dog in heel, <laughs> him being the owner. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But when you needed them, when chips use. were down, when you needed them. Yeah. He's like, come over here. I yeah. got a fish for you right yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. I had to kind of follow. If I wanted to spend time with my mentor, I had to kind of follow him around. <laughs> I'm a lazy fair. <laughs> and I mentor. go over there, and this is the kind of spear fishing I like because you just I'm at the surface going, <laughs> and I look down, and I can see there's like a calico bass, two sheep's head, and he's like, shoot the sheep's head. I'm like, well, I don't know which one that is. The one with the stripe on it and the big lip. I'm like, oh, I can see him from here. So I swim down. Shoot him. And I How far did you dive? Blasted. 60? I, I don't know. Uh, Alex will have to answer that question. 15 to 20. You were getting that deep? And uh, shot him. Easily. And it, and it just went through like the tops of his shoulders and it didn't stick. You know, like a the hole blew out the top. Yeah. But Alex watched him swim over. He immediately ch- like goes in the direction the fish swam and he waves me over and the fish has gone into a crack. And he's like, all right, now... <laughs> You got to swim down and get in that crack. You'll see him in there. It's dark, but you'll see his silhouette and shoot him again. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> that ain't going to happen. <laughs> so I take like another two minutes. <laughs> swim down like, in the crack. And as soon as I get to the crack, I can just kind of get, look underneath it. I'm like, I got to go up. And I go up. <laughs> so I never even looked into the crack, really. Alex went down. Did you see him again? I did. I did. But then he squirted out. Yeah, we had we had lobster in there. There were urchins in there. It it was a mess inside that hole. We caught a fish, a uh, sheep's head today that had that dart hole on on the top that would already healed over. Oh yeah. yeah and, and a big old and then someone divot. and then someone in our party shot a sheep's head that also had two feet a liter coming out of his mouth and a hook in his tongue. Did you see that? Yeah, that was calico. I thought, wasn't it? Okay, what well, was that? What? It was? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. It was, it was a calico. calico, but I forget who shot the one that had the. Hook he had a rusty it. hook and a hunk of mono coming out of him. Yeah. No, that wasn't mine. You didn't shoot that. With a fishing line coming out of it? No. Uh, it must have been your mentor. He likes he likes uh, <laughs> fish that are hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I attract sick fish. You might not want to eat your yellowtail. So we we didn't swim much farther. No, nope, I mean, we, we might have swam another minute or two. And, we just reset, and there was another sheep set. So I think I actually went down that one, and I didn't get a shot the first time I was down. Mm-hmm. He just kind of skirted behind some kelp, so I came up. <sighs> got re- got what do you guys call it? Rested, recovered, recovered. Went down again, set up, almost had a shot, didn't get a shot, and I just waited. And he just he just swam right back around, turned around, and gave me a nice, I don't know. He couldn't have been five feet. He wasn't as far as away from the tip as the gun is long, that's for sure. Um, it was beautiful because I watched it from the surface. And when he went down, in my head, I'm sending him the vibe. <laughs> Be patient. Because he went down and it looked like he just was going to go full speed. And in my head, I'm going, just be patient, be patient because the fish, they don't like 
pointing things at him. And then he stopped and he was patient. And that two seconds of patient, the fish just put on the brakes, turned sideways, gave him the perfect shot. Pinned him to the bottom of the ocean. Did you really? <laughs> fish went, shot went through the shoulder, right out the brain, stoned. Perfect. Yanked him out of the bottom and... No, I swam up to the top and then yanked him out of the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> you were out of breath. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was your... That was your... That was it? That was my first kill. Yeah. But you got more than after that, didn't you? Nope. Just one fish man. Yeah. You know, we hit, we hit a sweet spot when you guys left us and we decided to peel in and stop at another hole. And... uh I had sheep said like I could have shot from the surface and I was almost like, well, this isn't right. I'm supposed to be diving down, you know? <laughs> so I let them pass. And then I think I actually saw later once I realized like what the calico is, it's like green with white spots on its back. Once I had figured that out, I was looking back in my memory going, oh, I've seen like those fish and I've not been shooting them, you know? Yep. I just kept looking for something bigger. What saved a lot saw, of those things I saw lives. the day that we were sea bass hunting, I think I saw one. The and white it was sea bass. a giant fish. So I kept looking for like this is true. This right. big stuff where I should have been shooting the fifteen inches. Yeah. That's what saves a lot of uh calico bass lives. Yeah. Is my inability to accurately judge them. <laughs> that is an art. It's hard. Because a lot of them I'm yeah. like, oh, I don't know, buddy. I'm gonna let you slide, but you know. No, first there's kill, no put, no and I was clearing my ears. The last di two dives I did today, I just felt like it was just constant, just coming out of my ears the whole time as I was going to the bottom. The clear never stopped as I went down. You You're know? just clearing, up a, clearing yeah. up a storm. So I got that, feeling good about it, got a fish. It was a pretty successful trip. So you feel like you're an aspiring... Um, For sure. I would like to do it some more. Do you feel like you wasted your life? No. See, that's no. what I'm struggling with is that I wasted my life. I used to think that being like a mountain <laughs> hunter, like I used to think that being a mountain hunter was interesting. Mm -hmm. I still do. Yeah. Not as interesting as spearfishing. No. It's a good challenge, man. That's That's what's great about it. It really is like... The thing I like about mountain hunting is that uh, a lot of things about it. But one of the things I like about mountain hunting. Listen to this, though. I got an idea. If you if you if you took your mountain hunting to like some, but see, it's not necessary to do this. But let's just say you had to somehow incorporate like climbing big walls, climbing mm -hmm. up big walls where you could fall off and die, and then you had to shoot the mountain goat. That would be a little. A little more, more like, like it. this, yeah. What I liked about mountain hunting, there's there's three things I know about: spear fishing being the new one, riding a bike in Manhattan, and mountain hunting mm -hmm. <laughs> are three things where there's just no. Where I'm not saying for everybody, it's three things where I just think about what I'm doing. Mm. I'm just thinking about. There's enough stuff going on, like topography, weather, bears, what you know about animals, right? The 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 burning of time. It's like I just I, I do those things and I just do that and then I'm, my mind's not doing anything else. And it's very soothing. It's just like I'm just doing that. 
Yep. I'm not like, I'm not engaged in any other bullshit in my head. I'm not like, oh man, I should call my mom more often. You know what I mean? I'm just like doing the thing. Um, and that's why I like mountain hunting. Riding your bike in Manhattan is just too dangerous, but I enjoy it. But, uh, and then now spearfishing, man. But I think that like, I kind of like the food from spearfishing. I don't want to dare, dare I say, I almost kind of like it better. Than eating venison. Than eating stuff you get mountain hunting. Because mm. you know what? A lot of that stuff's pretty damn similar. Yeah. You don't really the acquire... the fish, dude. You don't acquire any food biking in Manhattan unless you stop at Joe's Pizza. <laughs> no, you stop and get them water dogs out of the tanks of hot water. Mm. That the guys with the little trucks or little carts are selling. But no, discard that one. I'm just saying that's one where you, there's no room to think about other stuff. Yeah. But uh, I kind of like the food from this. There like is the food a- from this is pretty spectacular. And you guys, resp- you know, that's another thing I wanted to ask you before we wrap up here. Um, do you guys find, like in hunting, there's a lot of people that don't, they hunt, and you think like hunting's like a, th- a way to like get food historically, right? It's how we kind of got into the whole activity as folks. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of people that like to hunt, but they don't really give a shit about the, they don't really give a shit about the food. You know? In in your community, are there a lot of people who are like big time spear fishermen that don't really take care of their fish and and like eat it and give it away, or is it most people pretty respectful of the resource? I'd say I'd say they're very, um, like if we go on a, on a on a big trip with several guys and there's a couple guys that don't get a fish, they're they're like right there, hey, you know, and like wanting fish. I mean, they want everyone wants fish. Everyone takes care of their fish. So are you guys, do you feel that you guys are typical or atypical in that you're always making all kinds of like preparations with the fish and eating it this way and this one's good to eat that way i mean and and like this one's for this this is great for tempura this is great to eat raw this is great to broil this is great to grill they've all got you um, guys have a lot of your buddies have that kind of way about them yeah definitely um just in how they're cooked how they're prepared eating them fresh as in raw you know just a little quick freeze on them uh, or any seasonings like or the spices sauces that we made today when we're just on the fillet table, you know, as we're cutting them, you know, you were you were ripping, you were rubbing the ribs with a spoon, and we had the sauce right there and just eating it. Yeah, and it was just good, fresh. You're a good cook, man. You're like a good cook, like a good like working man's high level cook. Well, I appreciate that. Do you know what I mean? I hope so. I I try. <laughs> no, it's like approachable, like simple, just really good stuff. It's good. Yeah. Do we eat good? So, dude, yeah. <laughs> I'm a yachtsman. <laughs> Fisher. <laughs> a yachting spear fisherman. Aspiring spear fisherman. 100% yachtsman. Yeah. <laughs> I think the community as a whole understands that the catch is only half. Mm-hmm. Truly, yeah. truly. I, I, I don't think you'd go into any community and run into someone that's actually going after game fish, pelagic fish, and already not thinking about how am I going to get this iced? How am I going to get it home? How am I going to get it prepped? What is it for? Like, yeah. I, I think the community as a whole is is solid when it comes to that. Well, because you got that, that's the thing, like with spearfishing, man, you're targeting. Um, kind of like a lot of the most high quality sought after fish 
I know why you like spearfishing. Because all the, I mean, I like, well, I like, like what I talked about, the adventure of it. But the, you like yeah, but you, you missed one, one major point. What's that? It shit, is a, shit talking? It is a, t- oh yeah, there's a little <laughs> the shit talking that goes down. <laughs> yeah, just, there's a little jarring that goes down. But it's a target-rich environment. You mm-hmm. have a lot of choices. And that, when we talk to our new spear fishermen, that's really the biggest thing, is you're going to see a lot. You've got to pick, You guys pass up a lot of stuff. You, yep. We pass up hundreds, if not thousands, to select one or two or three or four that are what we specifically want. That's the thing I noticed about you guys. I'm kind of like, let's shoot them all, you know? <laughs> let's go, let's go. <laughs> but you guys are kind of like just it's letting a, them go. Yeah, soak in the scenery, enjoy it, and then turn on the hunt when you need to turn it on. Yeah. Because something may scoot out into a hole, and now it's scenery's done. Now it's go time. That's the fish we want. How am I going to get to him without him running? Yeah. That's a target-rich environment. Yeah. You didn't think we shot a lot either until you started cleaning fish in that cooler back there. <laughs> no, there was a handful in there. But no, you guys you guys let a lot of fish slide. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best part. My buddy George here says, Yeah, it's like bow hunting, only you've got targets all day long. <laughs> yeah, like you're saying you know, otherwise you work all season for a shot, but yeah. I get ten shots a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. No, I, I like it, man. I'm gonna start plotting out my next outing. I'm thinking Baja. See, that's where I like. Well, that's where I mess around. That's where I like. I, he dabbles in Baja. Right? I dabble. No, I dabble. Like, we go down there on family vacation. But when I go on family vacation, I always go somewhere where I can where. Oh, I always go where I can fish, and now we go somewhere where there's a, like where I can go dabble. Where how'd I can you, dabble. How'd you like the ocean whitefish here? Great. Just that was rotten and reeling though. Mm-hmm. Good. I haven't eaten them yet. I like cleaning them. They Easy. flay nice. Yeah, they do. I like catching them. But that, um, that's gonna be your favorite. You think so? It's that good? Look like a nice fillet. <laughs> what? Why are you laughing? <laughs> <laughs> that's the best fish out here. Hey, you can't compare it to yellowtail or banana. I mean, those are pelagic. We're not talking pelagic. We're talking reef fish, ocean white fish. Are you doing that because George doesn't want people to know about them? It's it's our secret. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's secret. only one guarantee spot too. Yeah. Um. Okay. Final thoughts. I mean, I could go. I we. I this could be like a ten part series on spear fishing. But I don't I want love, a large one. Yeah. I love. It's shooting really, this shit. really interesting to me, man. Wasted yeah. my life. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. I think looking through binoculars. Yeah. You agree that I wasted yeah, my yeah. life. Yeah. I think looking through a pair of binoculars for an antler that you're trying to pick out in shrub brush is cool but imagine trying to pick out all these fish when they're cruising through the kelp same thing it's yeah Yeah. only you're a lot closer with a lot more opportunity don't have to hike as far and you really yeah you have to swim a lot though yeah we We will put in physically listen it's you guys don't realize it because you're just used to it. it it is extremely demanding extremely demanding long day of spearfishing you uh sleep really well what was your average time between putting your head on your pillow and being gone? Just like, no, I was wiped in three, out. In three nights. It's really demanding. And then yeah. other stuff that you don't even think about, like you kind of drifting with the current or whatever, and you look in that boat, it's like a million miles away, and you start kicking through the kelp, 
and you look a while later and it's like that scene of Monty Python where the dude's running at him. <laughs> the dude's running at him but the boat gets farther or the, he keeps getting farther away. And you're like, what? So I would get around him. I'm thinking, I'd turn over my back so I couldn't even see the damn boat and I'd kind of get a bearing and just go. And I'd be like, I'll allow myself to look in 10 minutes. I noticed a couple times. Yeah. I was wondering what he was doing. Yeah, I noticed a couple times when I drove up and you actually gave me the way. Some people give me the nice wave. Like, hey, I'm here. Cool, I'm gonna head on your way. You gave me the like, come here, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> yeah, right, right here, right now. Because I, I octopus had stripped me yes. of my snorkel, <laughs> <laughs> and his mentor was nowhere to be my found. My mentor was nowhere to be found. <laughs> All right, you got any final thoughts, <sighs> Alex? Yeah, I'll finish off our uh, little final thought process here. Is that you got to experience the first of the first, which is which is the stepping stone to uh an un it's a universe of chasing fish that can take you around this entire globe and you'll 75 percent of this son of a bitch is covered in water Uh and you'll meet some of the best people and you'll go to some of the most amazing places and you'll uh pick up some of the best cooking and recipes from different cultures and just the regular guy that's flaying your fish and uh, it's pretty special. So I'm stoked to have you in our spearfishing culture. Thank you, man. That's it. Like one of our buddies, JP, said, too, it's not all about the fish. You know, the same thing around a hunt camp or anything. You get get a group of guys, common interest, doing something that you can get outdoors, you know, see see nature, see the splendor out there, and go get some great table fare. Yeah. You know, it's awesome. Yeah, it's like a real team component to mm-hmm. it, too, you know. Yeah, like there's not too many through a bunch of problems. You could put, you know, five, six guys on a, you know, a boat for three days. And I mean, I don't think we had one that was pretty entertaining the whole time. Well, you did break a very important part on I, my boat. Let's see. I broke about <laughs> 10 things. George hasn't found two of them. And we're not going to talk about it. I'm pretty sure I'm going to blame it on Yanni after they leave here. But yeah, you recovered, you, you recovered two anchors. Someone, I got your anchor. I, yeah, some I other dude's aluminum two. anchor, yeah. which you found. Yeah. Store I found anchor. it. Store credit. I found it. I recovered it. You found it. I recovered it. Yeah, I you. spotted it and pondered it. Pondered and it. thought about, damn, that anchor is down deep. <laughs> <laughs> Any concluders? Uh, you're welcome anytime. I think this is the start of your journey. I think uh, you have a good intro into it. Anyone that's looking to get in the sport, just remember, do a little homework first. Try to find a mentor. Or at least do some research on the internet and, and talk to someone that's done it. Uh, there are some risks to it, but at the end of the day, it's a very, very amazing sport. Are people in your community going to be annoyed that you're letting that, that like by now, by taking out like a couple loud mouths that you're like ruining the whole thing? Cause now every time Dick and Harry's going to pick up a spear gun. I think, I think the sport <laughs> itself will weed out a percentage of those people okay. as you saw today. Um, I mean, to tell you the truth, the U.S. in the world, and when you talk about like New Zealand, Australia, Europe, South Africa, the, the U.S. is is pretty far behind population-wise of spearfishermen okay. or spearfisherwomen, but you know, spearfishing in general. Uh, I don't know. We'll find out, I guess. But yeah, no, it's it's a growing community anyway. It's, it is a very kind of slowly growing sport, consistently growing. And uh, I know a lot of guys that are like in, into mountain hunting. Yeah that are real curious about spearfishing. Yeah, I mean, it's... We all kind of, like, make each other curious about it, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't you think, Yanni? 
It's like Who? a general, just like around the guys we <laughs> hang out with. We kind of like talk Who about spearfishing more now than we might have once upon a time. That's true. Yeah. Oh, uh, Rob, Jeremy, and Sergio want you to come to South Africa. Really? Yep. This might be my end. All of you South have to Africa. do, all you have to do, is pack a bag. All the gear there is waiting. Rifles, whatever. Really? You want. Yep. That's Rob. Al- Rob from Rob, Rob Allen. Rob from Rob Allen. Jeremy. Jeremy Williams and Sergio Campos. Wow. Is it worth it? Is it, be- is it better than amazing. coming back here? It's good. It's pretty good. But Is it better than here? It's different. Is it better in California? It's different. Different, different fish. Yeah. That's the thing about the spearfishing. Different set Different set of Yeah, uh, you can fish. drive two hours from here. Total different. Yeah. yeah. Plug your uh, plug your company again. Uh, oh, you guys didn't talk about Ultimate Spearfishing at oh, all. Oh, Ultimate Spearfishing, yeah. Ultimate Spearfishing is a new project. Uh, it was a magazine out of South Africa, and we're relaunching it on a website. Is the website uh, live? It is live. It's being updated continually, but yeah, it's it's got quite a bit of information about basic skills and spearfishing. Uh, it was originally, um, like I said, based out of South Africa, and South African divers as a whole are, are some of the best and most hardcore divers out there. So yeah, there's a lot of good information on there. Um, and you're bringing it digital. Bringing it digital. There's a lot of the print articles online now and then we're kind of updating it with new contribution kind of throughout throughout the ultimate spearfishing ultimate spearfishing.com and then your outfit's called what again freediveshot.com and yeah we do both rob allen spearfishing gear ocean hunter and meister carbon fins so that and people just from around the country buy it mail order too yeah we're i mean we're we're mostly a wholesale company but yeah we do we do have a retail outlet in northern california and that was mostly to address kind of the the local spearfishing community and people can call you up and be like, oh, my thing doesn't work. Thing doesn't work, yep. Yeah. We're good at fixing stuff, <laughs> good at troubleshooting, good to, uh, kind of basic tips on where to go. I mean, I've dove quite a few places in my lifetime so far. So, uh, yeah, I know a lot of people kind of throughout the world and throughout the community. If you're traveling somewhere, I can kind of point you in the right direction or give you some pointers. All right. Greg yeah. Fonts. Greg Fonts. George, I don't even know your damn last name. <laughs> Shite. Oh, yeah. I just know George, not yours. That's right. <laughs> George, not yours. I <laughs> uh, love it. It's okay. You're welcome back any time, whether you know my last name or not. All right. Alex. Yeah. Rain? Reno. Reno. Very French. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Telling you what, Decked is a game changer. Decked has completely changed how I load, organize my truck. All my stuff that I want is always in there, out of my way, and secure. It's perfect. If you own a pickup truck that you use, you know, like a truck, 
The decked drawer system gives you weatherproof storage for all your gear. You can lock it up, too. You keep your tools and gear organized, job site or out in the field. Go to deck.com slash meat eater to receive free shipping. Go to decked.com slash meat eater and get yourself some free shipping.